Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. It's great to be with you. Thank you if you've been with us all week and stuck with us. I know that we've not had as much programming this week because we had to ask you to support our work here. I have very exciting news, and the news is this. If you haven't heard, we were in need of $3 million to continue to cover operating costs over the next few months. And praise the Lord, earlier this afternoon, we reached our need of $3 million. Thanks to your prayers, your support, your donation, whether you're giving monthly, whatever your gift was, as large or small as it might be, we are so grateful because every dollar counts. So thank you for supporting our work. Praise God. And if you still would like to donate, it's not too late to join the family and donate to Relevant Radio. It's tax deductible. We actually still have someone who stepped forward and said, hey, If you give, I will give as well. So we have a matching donation for every dollar you give. And when I say our basic operating costs are $3 million for a few months, that's to operate over 200 radio stations across the nation. And this is only made possible through you. We would love to grow and we're not even asking you for money to help grow. But if you would like to give anything, everything helps move us toward growth to buy new radio stations. We bought new stations in major markets, major competitive markets in places such as Ohio and Oregon and Washington and many other locations such as Texas, where people are listening now thanks to your support to Relevant Radio. So it's not too late to give RelevantRadio.com, the Relevant Radio app, or we do have Operators waiting to take your call if you'd like to donate that way. The number is 877-291-0123. I'll say it again, 877-291-0123 or donate online at relevantradio.com. Please join me in kicking off this hour in thanksgiving for our needs to be met during this pledge drive, but also to pray for an end to abortion here in the United States. Let's pray the memoire together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired with this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. Our Lady of Hope, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, some news for you. I would love to hear from you. Do you want to grow? Do you want to change your life? Well, give me a call. Sister Tina Alfieri is in. Our toll-free line is 888-914-9149, and it's sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance. So, if you have a question about making a change in your life, a license 
therapist, Sister Teen Alfieri. She specializes in everything from spiritual direction to addictive disorders, betrayal trauma. So if you want to grow, she is the person to call. Now, Sister Teen Alfieri, I was thinking about our conversation today, sister, and I keep coming back to this topic of feminism. And when we talk about feminism all hour, some really spicy details of the backside of feminism that I hope you won't go away. We'll talk about the celebrity side of it. It's really intriguing. But I've been really looking at the interactions of women in the corporate world and private world, and I'm finding this resounding theme of women who are struggling, struggling whether they know it or not, to overcome control, pride, and manipulation. Control, pride, and manipulation seem to embody modern-day feminism and might I just outright say women today, whether it's a mode of operation that was intentional, whether it was a survival instinct from past wounds of just stepping up when other people step down, or it's a way to get what you want. I think unknowingly, women pridefully manipulate situations and often men to maintain control. So let's address each of these elements separately. Sister Tina Alfieri is here with me. She's a Hermit and non, a specialist in spiritual direction and addictive disorders. Sister Tina, how do we work on growing in virtue and surrendering control to God, specifically on each of these areas of control, pride, and manipulation? And I'd love it if we maybe took them one by one. Certainly. Good evening. It's nice of you to uh, invite me back. Thank you so much. Um, so what uh, I guess I would like to start with is it might be hard to take them one by one because it's really all interrelated. It does have to do with pride. Uh, it also has to do with fear and mistrust that God is going to take care of me. Mm. So surrendering to God takes a lot of <laughs> trust. Uh, this is where we need the virtue of faith. And every time that we turn towards God, and ask him to help us to have more faith, to grow in the virtue of faith, to surrender ourselves to him, he will. And we increase in faith every time we turn towards God. That is the opposite of control. If we are trying to control something, uh, manipulate an outcome, etc., then we are trying to be God. We're trying to play God. Now, Things get kind of dicey and difficult to understand when we are talking about things that are outside of our control. Now, parents have responsibilities for their children, so I'm not advocating that you just turn your children loose and, you know, you abdicate your parental responsibilities and duties. That's not what we're talking about regarding control uh, for either uh, children or maybe for even a spouse or someone else that we love dearly, close friends or relatives even. Controlling is um, trying to be in charge of someone else's decision-making capacity, uh, undue influence, uh, trying to exert pressure on them to make a decision. Now, as parents with children, you have that authority. But with your siblings, your brothers and sisters who are now adults, who may be aunts and uncles to your children, um, or even to you know your spouse, you are all adults. So we can't have this undue authority, undue pressure. We have to respect the conscience and hopefully 
each of those adult persons in our lives that we love and care about have an informed conscience. They are seeking God's will. And so we have to uh, advocate that they pray often and maybe have a spiritual director, but we can't be their God, little g. We can't be their spiritual director. We can be a friend. We can be a relative. We can be a spouse, but we cannot be their conscience guidance. We can't be their decision maker for them. Ultimately, any and all decisions that we all make are between ourselves and God. And hopefully, we understand that I can't ex- exert undue pressure on other people because that's not charitable. And how do I know what God wants for that other person? I'm not God. I'm not omniscient. I'm not omnipotent. I have no idea what God has in mind for that person. And it's also a violation of their free will. God gave them free will, so why do we deny that free will? And again, it's a different exactly. from a parent-child minor mm-hmm. relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. But isn't that part of the mystery of allowing that free will to develop for the purpose of choosing God, that we're forming people with healthy consciences, with grace and great examples, so that they can let go of that control, relinquish that control to follow that blueprint that God has for our lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of uh, circling back a bit to uh, how you opened this discussion about uh, women, uh, feminism, um, I do think that there's a place for having some, um, uh, I guess, judicial intervention when it comes to equal pay for doing an equal job. We do know that there's been wage disparity Uh, In the past, it's still present today, but to a lesser extent. So, you know, we do need some of that in the secular society, but uh, I think we lose it as Christians if we think that there's no difference between men and women. Um, You know, we're Catholic. We do believe in the idea of... uh, that the genders are complementary one to another. They cannot be substituted one for the other. They're just not the same in nature. And I think that's important to remember that there is a place for some judicial or civil intervention when it comes to equality as far as treating workers the same for the same pay, same job. But we can't just throw the entire baby out with the bathwater and latch onto some of these really far out ideas that have sprung from feminism that um, women are just the same as men. We're not. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, there's so much I think often people feel like they have to nuance any conversation surrounding feminism today. And like you said, there there is a difference between men and women mm-hmm. and how feminism has impacted us is significantly different from men to women because it has most definitely impacted the way men function in society. But specifically women, I really do think this whole idea of control, pride, and manipulation is at the core of feminism. And today you could argue that today's conversation really is looking into the deep side of feminism, how it's impacted us and our behavior and just pop culture today. But when we come back to this topic of control, I appreciate where you say that ultimately we're trying to play God when we try to Mm -hmm. control things. And 
I think a lot of women today, Sister Tina, due to many and various wounds, have turned this into a survival mechanism, almost even that fight or flight mode that a lot of women go into. But there's much to be said of a lot of women finding themselves in healthy relationships or what could be healthy relationships, but botching the situation because of this control, this pride, and this manipulation. Uh, This is why many men, I think, are stepping out of the dating scene because they're not a fan of the type of women who are so intense, that girl boss, do it for the gals type of mindset. (laughs) So my question is, I think all of us as women have the opportunity to round off and kind of smooth down the edges of how feminism has impacted us. And one of the big areas is letting go of control. So what are concrete ways to start working on humility and really step out of that seat of always having to control every situation? Mm. And I appreciate uh, the discussion we're having. And I know that it is, uh, some of it does spring from, uh, feminism and third wave feminist um, ideology. But I just want to bring up the fact that no one wants a spouse who is manipulative, controlling, uh, exerting undue pressure. Uh, You know, sometimes that can really veer into the area of domestic violence, uh, abuse, verbal, emotional, financial abuse. So whether it's a woman who is controlling a manipulative or a man who's controlling a manipulative, um, we're, we're speaking about that this is not how God wants us to treat one another. And I think sometimes um, in committed uh, marital relationships, when people have been married for a long time, they do get comfortable with one another, you know one another, but there's just still no way you can know one another fully. Um, And so you have to leave some things up. Well, you have to leave all things up to God. You know, you have to accept that I am powerless and maybe I would like for my spouse to do X, Y, and Z. I can see the benefits of him or her doing that. Uh, But in the end, I have to respect that they are a person and that they have, hopefully, an informed conscience and that they're going to do what they feel God wants them to do. Now, this is where, when there are huge differences, big disagreements, this is where we can take our issues to a counselor, to therapy, um, take it to a priest uh, for some kind of discernment, uh, maybe even a spiritual director. Uh, And so, if we are just at crossroads and headbutting, then I really believe that that's going to uh, uncover some spiritual issues within ourselves, and such as pride and mistrust of God, mistrust that God really cares about me and my family and what's going on, um, the, wanting to avoid suffering well, let's face it, nobody wants to suffer, but it's going to happen to all of us. And how do we use the suffering that does come our way? It's not a punishment from God. It's an exercise for us to grow closer to God, to grow in grace and virtue. So, um, you know, these are very nuanced conversations. It's not kind of just one size fits all. When I'm thinking, Sister Tina, of concrete ways to work on 
relinquishing some of that control like how can we work on this because marriages are hurting from these situations mm. men are stepping out of the dating pool from these situations women can't understand why men yet again don't want to date a quote type a woman i'm all about understanding the significance of type a but i feel like everyone loves to say they're type a today when they're really just trying to control <laughs> everything there's there's a difference there's a real difference and we should do some soul searching if we call ourselves type a women so i'm thinking about concrete ways to stop taking control and if you're listening to me now that's sister tina alfieri she is a specialist as a therapist a spiritual director a hermit and nun and especially works with addictive disorder so if you have a question the number is 888-914 sorry 888-914-9149 or you can ask your question now on social media we're keeping an eye out there on my instagram story as well as on facebook and twitter so just or x whatever you want to call it just follow me at timmery t-i-m-m-e-r-i-e but sister when i think of concrete ways to stop taking control i think of things that i can work on such as offering decision making to others um taking a back seat when we're in different circumstances um and again this could be with regard to my husband when i'm spending time with friends it could be even fostering leadership in other people even creating a loving context to do do so where someone might flop not do it the way you would do it not do it the way you think is best or even the way that is best that you know but you're actually creating opportunities for growth i think real leaders real good people help to bring up not just the next generation but even help to build up their comrades right their friends and family Mm -hmm. and being equipped to make decisions take control to be you know quick and nimble on their toes in areas that let's say you have an expertise in, but someone else can as well. And I think that that's important is recognizing that um, we ourselves, each individual, we are not an expert in all things. There's going to be many things. I'm not a financial expert. (laughs) You know, math is not my forte. You don't want me trying to help you with your taxes. So, (laughs) you know, there's somebody out there who is an expert and it's not... Uh, embarrassing for me to uh, show my shortcomings, that I'm not a math whiz, I'm not a math genius. Uh, That's just me being honest about my lack of skill in that area. And to be humble, to admit to folks that I'm not, uh, you know, each of us is not just uh, all powerful. And so we have to look at why am I, or what is the purpose of myself wanting to not show my shortcomings? Mm-hmm. Why does it have to look that I'm always knowledgeable about everything or uh, I'm always number one in uh, discussions, number one uh, about uh, leadership, everything's under my control. Just as you were saying, good leadership really is about pushing other people to the front and giving them opportunities to shine, to demonstrate their special skills and abilities. Um, Tyrants have a death grip. (laughs) They want to be in total control. And that's not godly. It's not charitable. Um, And it's to know oneself and to know, hey, I'm not good in this skill, but I know someone who is. Let me set them up with a phone call with you. Um, That's humility. And it's pushing other people to the front so that they can shine. And I don't have to worry or concern myself with 
what other people think of me. I cannot remember what the who the saint is, but I use this quote an awful lot. There is a saint who said, it's not your business what other people think about you. <laughs> you we get so concerned about how I look in front of people. Do I look like I'm stupid? Do I look foolish? Do I look insecure? Do I look angry? You know, it's not your business what other people think about you. Mm. Do your best. Be honest to God. Be honest with God, with others, and live as a Christian with an informed conscience. Do your best. You do not have to be in control. Control is an illusion anyway. You are not in control. God is. And so that's where we seek our source from. Uh, You know, you were asking about concrete things, what we can do, a deep prayer life really turning everything over to God and realizing that everything comes from Him for our good, for our purpose, or for the good of others, that we are just um, an instrument. God is using us as an instrument to distribute His graces to others through our interactions. Uh, We are not a CEO of a corporation, uh, an individual might have that position, but God is using you not to be a tyrant in control, but to help others get closer to God, hopefully, uh, by your actions, by your humility, by your demonstration of pushing other people to the front so they can shine and demonstrate their skills. And there's uh, that's charity in action, like on a corporate level. I think secular society loses that. Uh, it's this real kind of cutthroat, dog-eat-dog. That's secular society. I know that we're Christians. We have to operate in that society at times, but it doesn't have to consume us like people who have no God. Mm, isn't that key? I love where you said we try to play God when we try to control things. So how fundamental is prayer is humility? If this is the sacrament of reconciliation, I kneeling down, confessing your sins to the priest, asking for guidance and working on this control that is so prevalent in the modern culture for women. And I think most women actually do want to get rid of it, but it's a mode of operation, whether out of survival instincts or wounds, whether it's been generationally taught, whether it's just what you see in society, it's something that needs to be whacked back because it's not a part of our faith and virtue. It's one thing to step forward and help out and fill in a void, but it's another when we're always insisting on stepping in and controlling situations. If you want to hear more on feminism and an interesting topic of touching continued on this idea of control as at the core of feminism, you might be surprised by a way you may have never heard before is part of the founding of feminism. So stay with me. We'll discuss that a little later on. And shout out a huge thank you if you gave to support the work we're doing here at Relevant Radio. We met our need of $3 million to just continue to cover basic operating costs. But if you didn't have the opportunity to give, you can still give. And guess what? It makes it so that we can grow and buy additional stations here at Relevant Radio and reach more hearts and minds for the kingdom of Christ. So to donate, you can go online, relevantradio.com or 877-291-0123. Taking questions with Sister Teen Alfieri here on Trending. If you're working on your life, working on relinquishing control, we're happy to take that. Layla's on the line from Huntington, California. Layla, welcome to Trending. What's your question today for Sister Tina? Um, I'm very glad to be online because this is, I know, something that can sound a little crazy, um, you know, with the whole topic about feminism. I come from a relationship. I'm, I'm married. I've been married for eight years. 
and there has been multiple um, affairs. And I don't want to say cheating like where my husband has slept with another person, but cheating in the sense of like, you know, finding out that he's been um, messaging other women or trying to get their attention. Um, and it's been multiple times. And so for me, when it comes to this feminism, you know, a lot of people will tell me, you don't deserve this. Like, leave him. Mind you, I have five children with him. I come from a Catholic family where I have been taught that marriage is forever. And Mm -hmm. so the biggest struggle for me has been forgiving and forgetting. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just something that I've seen has gone in the way of me being able to love unconditionally. As a Christian, I'm called to, to love him the way God loves him, which is the biggest struggle for me. And, and I continue to pray that, that I love him unconditionally because I know that God is merciful with me. And it's a, you know, a continuous thing that I have to do for my husband to show him mercy. And mm-hmm. so I'm called for this mission. But what I struggle with the oh. most is, you know, having this possession of trying to always find out if, Like by going through his phone, like having that control of, let me see what he's up to. Let me see, is he being unfaithful again? Like it's what I call a sickness. And I I just need help Mm. on how to approach this. Yeah. Layla, thank you for calling. And I respect you so much for opening this up to a conversation because you have faced a real trauma with your husband in emotional, uh, in an emotional sense of emotional intimacy of cheating that's occurred. And that's a true trauma. And so, Sister Tina, I would really appreciate your guidance in helping to remain faithful, as she said, to the sacrament, finding forgiveness and a mode of operation that lets go of that mindset of controlling when the world's telling her, just leave him. Right. So she's responding to a trauma, a wound, a betrayal trauma. And this is something that's going to take professional help for her, but it's also going to take professional help for the husband. She's responding to a wound to their marriage, to her safety, to her emotional safety, uh, that her husband is only interested in her and that he's only pursuing her. So there's been some damage done by the husband and she's trying to seek safety, emotional safety by kind of snooping, playing, playing private eye, looking at his phone. Well, she feels she has to do that. It's a reaction to his not being honest with what he's doing. So this is betrayal trauma. Um, this couple definitely needs help. And I would suggest that uh, both of them seek help for Um, his behavior and her reaction and woundedness to his behavior. And I'll just throw a couple resources in there. Bloomforcatholicwomen.com is a great place for healing from betrayal trauma for women. In your case, I think it's great. I want to honor, Layla, your fidelity to the sacrament. We are called to be faithful, even in the midst of infidelities that do arise within marriage. And I just invite you, pray for your husband. Pray for um, for the gift of forgiveness. And we'll come back discussing this a little further in just a moment. That's been Sister Tina Alfier. You can find her and her work at Bloom for Catholic Women. That's bloomforcatholicwomen.com. We're talking about what you're thinking about. 
You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Thank you for supporting the work of Relevant Radio. We are so grateful if you donated and prayed for us during this week's pledge drive. We met our goal of $3 million, but we still have needs to be met. And we are so grateful if you didn't have the opportunity to give, you can still give online, relevantradio.com, the Relevant Radio app, or by calling 888. Ooh, hold on. I've got the wrong number. I'm getting a little uh, out. <laughs> Thank you. 877-291-0123. I was thinking about you calling in. We The reason I mentioned this is Sister Tina Alfieri is with me now. She specializes in therapy. She's a therapist. She's a hermit and nun, spiritual director. And we've been discussing the topic of control. Layla's on the line. Her husband has been unfaithful more than once. She's been married eight years and he's engaged in emotional infidelity, uh, seeking the attention of other women. And now she's trying to find the balance of how much control is it acceptable when, uh, you know, wanting to see his phone, wanting to know who he's talking to. Can he, she look through his phone? How does she handle the issue of forgiveness and stay faithful? faithful to the sacrament of matrimony. She's Catholic. She wants to stay faithful to her marriage, but the ways of the world, people say, hey, leave him. He's treated you badly. And so we were just discussing with Sister Nina how she's facing a real trauma. And Sister, if you could address concrete steps to help her in remaining faithful, seeking forgiveness, but finding that balance of control. I know you mentioned earlier the importance of therapy, but are there any guiding uh, tips that you can give her as she navigates the moment to moment today? Yes, I think one of the things that I would uh, say to her is your behavior of trying to seek information is he's about your husband's activities. If he's still doing this behavior, checking his phone, looking at his computer uh, history, etc. That is all normal as far as responding to a trauma. Uh, she's been hurt. She's been emotionally wounded by this, um, her husband's behavior of attention-seeking or emotional affairs uh, from other women. So she's been hurt. So she's seeking safety. Uh, It makes perfect sense that she's trying to regulate her own mood and her own uh, fear for her safety, for herself, for her marriage, and ultimately for the children. So what I would suggest is, uh, yes, stick close to the sacraments. Uh, There are fantastic um, uh, opportunities uh, in the Catholic world to seek help, good Catholic counseling. I think also uh, there's marriage enrichment programs. I believe uh, RetroVi uh, or RetroV, I think it's RetroVi. RetroVi. is fantastic. I have, I suggest clients of mine go to that all the time for those who seem to have problems in their marriage that they think is uh, uh, entrenched or intractable. And maybe the spouse isn't wanting to go to therapy, but they will go to an intensive weekend retreat where other couples who have faced these same situations are the ones leading the the retreat along with trained priests who have um, knowledge about uh, marital issues and spiritual ones as well. So I think that's a fantastic option uh, is to go on an intensive retreat weekend. Now, we can't make the spouse, but uh, 
I'm hoping that through the grace of God and his informed conscience that the husband would see that this is an issue, that this is a problem, and maybe start taking it to the sacrament of confession, seeking spiritual direction, seeking his own therapy for his behavior that is causing trauma to his spouse. You know, when people get married, uh, they are supposed to help each other make it to heaven. That's the grace of the sacrament of matrimony. It's to help the spouse, not only yourself, but to help the spouse get to heaven. What's more beautiful than that? And so there's some issues with some not very Christian-like behavior happening. And so it's okay to mention that to your spouse, that this is uncomfortable. It's hurting me. I think it's hurting our marriage. Let's go talk to a priest. Let's go seek some professional help because this is making me feel unsafe, unloved, not cared for. And that's not Christian at all. And I'll throw the website out there for Retrovi that you mentioned. It's helpourmarriage.org. That's helpourmarriage.org. You work with Bloom for Catholic Women, helping to heal from betrayal trauma for women with a Catholic perspective. An awesome resource, bloomforcatholicwomen.com. And my thoughts as well, Layla, just thinking we go through seasons in life. We go through seasons and God's mercy can overcome it any situation. Stay faithful to the sacrament. Uh, mm-hmm. Lead by example. And a great, I think, exercise, Sister Tina, that a dear friend of ours, Jim O'Day, has shared a number of times mm-hmm. here on Trending, is sharing a daily high and low with your spouse, where you take five to ten minutes a day, maybe you go on a walk, you're doing um, taking a moment to make sure you're connecting. You share a high point in your day and a low point in the day. It gives the space to celebrate the good, but honesty with moments of struggle. It could be with you and your spouse, with things at work, with kids, whatever it is going on, but it's a means of coping and communicating. And it's an opportunity where you don't comment on your spouse's high and low. Maybe you celebrate mm-hmm. with them, but you give them that time to speak with no judgment. And it could bring to the forefront how I imagine often infidelity is a co- coping mechanism. Pornography, infidelity, all of these are coping mechanisms for something bigger going on. So it can just really start to address the underlying things mm-hmm. that might be going on in your marriage. So Sister Tina, thank you for joining us. Praying for you, Layla, for hope, for healing. And Definitely. feel free to reach out. But those are great resources. Bloomforcatholicwomen.com and Retrofi can be found at helpourmarriage.org. That's been Sister Tina Alfieri. Find her at bloomforcatholicwomen.com for healing from betrayal trauma for women. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Thank you again if you supported our work here at Relevant Radio. It's not too late to donate, relevantradio.com or by calling 877-291-0123. We've been pondering the topic of feminism quite a bit this week. And it's interesting after we come on the heels of everything surrounding witchcraft occult from Halloween. It kind of opened the space to have those conversations leading up to Halloween. One of the topics that's been piquing my interest more and more of light has been the outright revelation on mainstream media networks of high-level celebrities who 
outwardly say they practice witchcraft. Now, we've discussed quite a bit the story of supermodel Giselle, formerly married to Tom Brady, and even how she used to call herself, even though she was a practicing Catholic, a good witch. And she attributed, actually, Tom Brady's wins to her and her spells and rituals that she would do over him before or during the game. I can actually link in the episode notes to conversations I've had specifically covering when they were married, how Giselle would again celebrate and address Tom Brady's success based on this. Uh, she gets into everything from manifesting. That's a whole nother topic, but she's not alone. There are many other names and just to name a few recently, Vanessa Hudgens, who you may know is a beloved millennial star from High School Musical, among other things from the Disney Channel on. And she mentions how sisterhood is a witchcraft. She actually recently filmed a passion project series. And I say passion project, something that she's really passionate about about witches and spirits in Salem, Massachusetts. She said, it was a lot more personal than anything I've ever done. I'm not hiding behind a character as I normally do in films. This is me exploring something that I'm very passionate about. What is that? Witchcraft and the demonic. She goes on to say, so much about witchcraft is also practiced in sisterhoods and through female relationships and creating a safe space where you can tap into the unknown and really reach your fullest highest power. That's creepy. That is very creepy. Everyone from Lady Gaga to Giselle to Vanessa Hudgens, even though she might be that beloved childhood star that for me, being a millennial, I watched High School Musical. I loved it. There's a lot to be said about what's happening with this resounding theme where it's being connected. That is the occult witchcraft with feminism. Okay, you may think it's a bit of a chump. And if you have some thoughts on this, I more than welcome them. The number is 888-914-9149. But giving you just a glimpse of the seedy history and connection between feminism and the occult, uh, this is actually more documented research and discussed in the recent book by Dr. Carrie Grass, The End of Woman. I'm about to start reading the book. I've been looking forward to it for some time. It's been sitting on my desk, but she actually starts to draw the parallels between mainstream leading feminists dating back to the 19th century and their connection to witchcraft and the occult. Now, right now, witchcraft is one of the leading and growing religions. In fact, there are more people who practice Wicca than practice Presbyterianism today. That's frightening. Now, you can see most college campuses, if not all, have clubs for the occult witchcraft. Now, bring this to Millie Bobby Brown, who is in the public eye in a big way. In fact, she was recently on one of the covers for Glamour magazine. She's been celebrated as a woman of the year. She's 19 years old. You know her from the show Stranger Things. Now, I don't know about you. I was talked into watching a few episodes, always kind of felt uncomfortable and a little spooked out by it. And then lo and behold, seasons two and three progress. And most everyone I know totally ditched the Stranger Things bandwagon when they realize this show is outright demonic. I'm just saying it's somewhat interesting when you connect this to the fact that Millie Bobby Brown in her Glamour magazine interview mentioned that she was introduced to feminism when she went to see a psychic. The psychic told her that she was a feminist. Millie Bobby Brown, being quite young at the time, ended up wondering, well, what is feminism? This led her to dive deeper into researching feminism. She said she really, quote, grasped the idea of feminism at what it means to me. Ultimately, it's about opportunity. Ponder this. I mentioned earlier the connection of how control has bred women. 
I'll raise my hand, I think myself included, to have this mindset of control. Whether it's a survival instinct for you from past wounds, whether it's a mode of operating, whether people try to argue that it's a type A personality, it could be a little bit of everything. But at the core, today's society breeds feminist women, whether we want to or not identify that way, as women who try to control everything. And so bring this back to the whole idea of Wicca and witchcraft, which has deep roots in the feminist movement and the scales are being pulled back to point to this. Is it any surprise that the women's movement turned into feminism, which turned into a radical pro-abortion agenda that thrives on the murdering of children? Satan desecrates and tries to destroy all that is holy. Now, praise God, you and I know that in the end, Jesus Christ conquers over everything, over absolutely everything. However, we still are in a battle between principalities and powers. We're still working out what? Our salvation. Jesus Christ redeemed us, opening up the gates to heaven yet again with his coming, with his sacrifice. But we still have to cooperate in the grace of Jesus Christ. And here's the problem. I hear day in and day out of people who are no longer practicing any faith at all, referred to as the nuns, not the religious ones, the N-O-N-E-S. That is those people who have no religious association whatsoever vast majority of millennials down have this identifying factor. They don't associate with a religion. But even those who do practice some faith, what's interesting to me is that I'm hearing from many who say, well, they're dabbling in witchcraft, they're dabbling in this, they're dabbling in that, and I'm spiritual, not religious. I can uh, go side by side between my Catholic faith and other things as well, and it's okay. Well, here's the deal. And I think this is what's interesting. Maybe you think this is a bit of a stretch. Do you think this connection of feminism and the occult goes too far? Because it's documented. And this is what's riveting. And why I'm looking forward to reading some of the more recent research by people such as Dr. Carrie Gress on this. She wrote a recent book called The End of Woman. I love her work. I've not read the book yet, but I love her book, Toxic, or sorry, The Anti-Mary Exposed, talking about toxic femininity, toxic feminism, should I say. But she documents how people such as great so-called feminist leaders such as Kate Millett, even Elizabeth Cady Stanton had deep roots in witchcraft and Wicca and how part of the playbook of original feminists and even feminists today are seeped in what? In witchcraft, in the occult, in necromancy. We could get into a lot of this. It's a little startling, but here's what's interesting. The sisterhood of the occult runs deep into the feminist movement. And at the end of the day, it's about control. It's about taking control and not trusting that God's in control. Dr. Carrie Grass recently commented on the revelation of people such as Millie Bobby Brown and others discovering their feminist side through psychic. She said it's from the core feminism. She says from its core feminism has been about the myth that women could become radically independent and self-reliant, free from husband and children. She goes on to say the occult, that's a witch witchcraft, Wicca, all of that. She says the occult is gasoline on this feminist fire, spreading the lie that this ideal can be achieved through the power and control the occult affords. See, witchcraft, Wicca is all about control and manipulation, controlling circumstances, being vindictive. Dr. Gress goes on to say, witchcraft has a long history of being a way for women who feel powerless to exert their power and control over others, especially those they feel oppress them. 
But she says, like any kind of occult, the practitioner gets in deep, then finds it difficult to get out. What starts out is attraction or fascination that turns to condemnation, torment through guilt. In other words, she's saying that women often find themselves stuck in the rut of feminism because they've gone so deep. I'll give some examples of going so deep or too deep, the killing of their own children, their abortion. It truly is whether you want, and I'm not using this for apologetic purposes of why you should should not support abortion, but realize abortion is a spiritual battle and abortion is a sacrifice of the devil. And so make the connection of how dark and bleak it is. And even look at the example earlier this week of Sabrina Carpenter and that whole debacle, I wasn't even just talking talking about the desecration of a Catholic church in Brooklyn, but watching her music video, which again, don't watch the music video, but I explained it earlier this week, and I hope you'll listen to the episode. Sabrina Carpenter's new song, Feather, is all about control and manipulation and using your beauty for evil. The song's about celebrating the funeral of all these guys who duked it out over her while she took selfies and was dressed scandalously and then how she revenge killed someone who did something he shouldn't have done absolutely not however she killed him and she celebrates the blood that's on her face and she talks about how great it is that all these people are basically dead now and how her life's better that's manipulation that's control that's part of the whole mindset behind this witch witchcraft wicca movement and so my take is if you look at some of the statistics that are coming out The majority of youth, especially age 14 to 25, are using some form of demonic witchcraft, more than 40%. What is that? Almost half of youth today, they have a desire for power, but what they really have is a desire for transcendence, the transcendent God. What they're looking for is to have hope in something. They're lacking an understanding of good and evil. I think the current trend of Wicca speaks to the power of people's need to know God, to love him. We need to speak to the power of the miraculous. We need to speak to the transformative power of prayer. I think the solution is we must regain a Christian worldview. Helping to teach from a young age that everything is a gift from God and we are meant to give ourselves back. That we are valuable just as we are, even in the midst of the flaws that come from the culture, the flaws of our own character. We are valued by God, but we're called to conform our lives to him. But also we have to address the reality of suffering. Because I think control comes with pain. Suffering is a means of transformation. This is a distinctly Catholic worldview. First Peter, the first Pope, one of the first first apostles of Jesus Christ, who, by the way, let's not forget, himself also struggled with denying Christ in that he betrayed Christ, abandoning Christ at his most dire moment in the crucifixion. But he learned, he converted, he repented. In fact, he died for Jesus Christ. But St. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which comes upon you to prove you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will do right and entrust their souls to a faithful creator. I hope you'll go and read the end of 1 Peter 4, because it really points to a resounding trend in the New Testament writings. You see it in the Gospels, but you see it in all the New Testament books, that we are tried as Christians 
through suffering to be worthy of the kingdom of Christ, that we're called to conform ourselves to Christ. Christ shows us the way. It's not easy. He shows and embodies love, and it's bloody, bruised, and crucified. Why is it that we think we can escape life in such an easy way, that everything should be easy and light? The reality is, is that you are enough. You don't have to manipulate your body, people, or the world around you. You may have the direst of situations. We're praying for Kayla, who called in earlier, talking about infidelity. You may be suffering with some mental health challenge. You may have made terrible choices in the past. I don't know what it is. But what I do know is that where there is sorrow, where there is brokenness, God's grace can abound if we will only let him. The nuns of our generation, that is those people who identify with no religion whatsoever, are particularly susceptible to the allurement of this pull between evil and good because they no, have no clarity between what is good and what is evil. Everything is great. You read modern literature today, even the good guys get their hands very dirty. Now, I'm not saying that people are perfect. Look at the saints. They're perfected in Christ. But often, many of them have rather seedy paths. Without any proper formation about what is good and what is evil, we are going to continue to fall down the rabbit hole of dabbling in things we shouldn't be dabbling in. Well, maybe if you're lucky, you have faith and you try to pursue that. But we need to set the record straight. Set a good example. Make Christianity look attractive. Show the beauty of prayer. Dabbling in witchcraft and occult just turns us into self-centered and vindictive people hungry for power. There's no such thing as just dabbling in the occult. It will try to consume you because Satan's behind it. You see, authentic faith in Jesus Christ, living a life rooted in the sacraments, should transform us into humble, gentle, generous, and gentle people who, by the grace of Jesus Christ, find joy and peace. And I think that's what everyone really wants. They want the peace and joy of Christ. They want to subdue the craziness in their life. They want to be able to endure the challenges. They want to be able to move through the emotions that are so intense that people don't know how to navigate today. Well, apart from faith in Christ, who created us, and the grace and virtues that he is calling us to, how do you do that? We are standing at a point in history as people of faith to shine the light of Christ into the darkness of the world that says there's no such thing as good and evil. Everyone loves a good story. So let's share the good stories of our lives by living that life that Jesus Christ has called us to. That humbly, when we screw up, we run to confession. On bended knee, confessing our sins, begging God's mercy, amending our life, and chasing after the virtue to overcome those bad habits and outright sins that get in the way of the very joy and peace we so deeply desire. That example is attractive. That example is inspiring. I remember a few years ago, I was sitting on the couch of one of my friends and she looked at me and she said, I was once happy like you. I once used to smile like you, but then life happened. Things got difficult. And she said, I want that back. I want that back. This woman had had an abortion a few years prior. She was hurting from the allurement of the world that said, everything's gray. That's okay. You can end the life of your baby. You do you. Not the right time, not the right man, 
not a good timing for your career, you're in circumstances that aren't the best, you can have kids later. The culture is currently a culture where we see a battle for souls, the souls of our youth. I even bring this back to the whole transgender debate that's happening today. It's not a debate. It's real people who are struggling. I recently heard of a dear friend whose son is identifying as a woman living in Northern California. And my heart broke because when I heard this story, it comes from a great family. And I say living in Northern California because San Francisco is this place that seems to breed this mindset of you do you, anything goes. It's all about tolerance. But what I'm finding is that Jesus Christ is fighting. He's fighting for our souls, but we have to cooperate with him. He showed us the way. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the light. He is the light of the world. Will we follow after him? Will he, we show the light and example of Jesus Christ? We've been told to not hide our faith in a bushel basket under the table, but to let our light shine, to proclaim it from the rooftops. Do not be afraid. We live in a culture where Feminism is rampant. Abortion, as we just saw with the vote earlier this week in Ohio, it's barbaric what's happening. I don't really believe that people wanted abortion that bad that they passed it. Some people may, or they've been led to believe so, but I don't think people actually knew what they were voting for. We know the marketing campaigns were deceptive, but at the end of the day, Jesus Christ triumphs. But the battleground is you and me our souls. Will we cooperate in God's mercy? I hope this conversation, while I imagine it's ruffled some feathers, tying feminism with witchcraft and the uncle, it's not far-fetched. It's right there, plain as day, out in the open, in the lives and mouths of people such as who are speaking and sharing their stories. We've been covering Giselle, Vanessa Hudgens, and many others, even Millie Bobby Brown, who are sharing the connections. That feminism is about, ultimately, a rejection of God. Control that rejects the control of God and missing the fact that God created us in his image and likeness for his kingdom. And his grace and mercy is available no matter what you've done. And so here we are coming up on the weekend. Most parishes have that at least hour window where confession's available. I challenge you, go running to the sacrament of reconciliation. Offer and beg forgiveness for your sins and be healed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you for supporting us here on Relevant Radio. It's not too late to donate. RelevantRadio.com. Up next is a family rosary across America.